0: Thank you for tuning in to this edition of Kingsway Podcast from Pastor Sean. You are about to hear a message from a recent Sunday service. We consider it a privilege to be on a spiritual journey with you. So take a few moments with us and allow God to inspire you today. And so the series today and the series this week and the series this entire month is going to be the Life Is series. What is life? What is it about? And what is life that always kind of catches us, you know, hangs us up? What is it about life that makes it complicated, that makes it troublesome, that makes it sometimes not as enjoyable as other days? And what is it about life that makes it great and wonderful? I mean, today it's beautiful outside. If you can't be happy today, you need to find another reason to be happy. Amen? Amen. Oh, we'll wake you up. Look, if I sense that you're getting tired, I'm going to say like this, God is good. All the time. Okay, we're going to get it. Come on. All right, the Life is series. And so, again, the kids are learning this exactly as we're preaching it right now, back there in kids' church style. So today, the first lesson that we're going to dig into is life is, well, it is unfair. If you're a parent, you've probably taught your kids this as soon as they could speak English because they wake up in the morning and feel like life should be fair immediately. It's not fair. He gets chocolate and I don't. It's not fair. You know, he gets the cereal. It's not fair. She gets to wear a dress and I don't. Whatever, right? It's not fair. One of your kids has something to say about life not being fair. Or something happening at school or something happening over the summer. or Something happening at McDonald's. You guys know the story. Life is not fair. And we can upgrade this to adult mode for a second. Let's see. Life is not fair. I work really, really, really hard, but I don't get that promotion. Not fair. I, I steward my money, I manage my money really well, and I tithe, but uh, my, my major appliances at home, my air conditioner, it's, it's going up. It's not fair. Uh, Let's see, I, I, you know, I really try to be a great parent. I feel like I'm doing, my, my spouse and I are doing a great job parenting our children, and yet they seem to be growing up really mean. Not fair. Or maybe I really know I could be a great parent. I really want to be a great parent. But it does look like pregnancy is on the horizon. Not fair. I mean, fill in the blanks, fill in the blanks. I mean, I had one of my students uh, this week say, well, I studied really, really hard for the test." I deserved an A, but I got a C. It's not fair. Oh, and this other kid who didn't study at all, he went in and said, I'm not ready for the test. Can I take it another day? And the teacher said, yes. Not fair. Life is filled with these unfairisms, if you will, that we go on day and day and day. But here's the trick to this series. It's going to be really easy. The main point right now, life's not fair, but Bibles fill these buts. But God, but this, but that. And that you probably know what it's gonna what's gonna follow here, Brother Fred. But God is good. God is good. Life is unfair, but God is good. I mean I've probably done this sermon like fifty times in the three minutes before every service. So I figured now I get a whole, you know, half hour or so to to share with you how God is good through the, the Bible. And so the verse of the day, the verse the kids will be introduced to is Nahum. That is one of the minor prophets. You may have even heard of this book of the Bible. you got to open it kind of halfway before Isaiah. You have all those minor prophets. Nahum, it's like three pages long. It's two chapters. And it has this text in it. The Lord is good. A strong refuge when trouble comes. It's talking about Nineveh. It's talking about the oppression in that city. And it's talking about all the different things that are happening. But at the end of the day, the Lord is good. The Bible says it. It says it here in Nahum. It literally says it in every book of the Bible. Every sermon I do, I show you how we say it in a different and new way. Or how they say it back then. Or how they say it now. The Lord is good. It says a strong refuge when trouble comes. It doesn't say if trouble comes. It says when trouble comes. Heads up, Christians. Trouble be a-coming. Trouble's coming. God's people cannot avoid trouble. If you today believe that, at the end of service, you will no longer believe that because the scriptures are really clear. Trouble is a-coming. It's part of the sin world we live in. It's also part of how God will use us today. And I'm not talking about the big sort of memento trouble that you may encounter and you, when you read the news or when you see you know, what's happening in Virginia you hear these other things. You know, let's, just, let's just make it more myopic today in our own lives. The trouble, of just the unfairness of life, the unfairness of life, that sort of trouble, it's going to come your way. You're going to experience it. In sports, in school, at work, at home, in parenting, you're going to experience it. The question is, when it comes, can you sit inside the rock, inside the cave here, In his strong refuge, can you sit by that rock and just absorb his goodness despite all the unfairness around you? Can you do it? Are you capable of it? Is the rock, is the rock, Jesus, is he giving you comfort in the midst of all this trouble? Or for some of us, does it feel a little bit more like this? Feels like the unfairness of life, even in the pursuit of God, is just like, it's pushing this giant rock uphill. It feels painful. If you're a human being today, if you're pursuing God today, no doubt you have a Christian experience that feels like this, and you behind the rock, incapable of seeing what's coming, more hell, by the way, saying, Really, it, really is, God, is God still good? Do you believe it today? I believe it. The word of God says it, so we're going to go through it. If you feel like you're pushing this rock uphill, it's because you feel that at times life is unfair. And in the midst of all of it, the unfairness of life, do you feel like serving God? And do you feel like serving God makes it any easier? Let's look at the Hebrew people. I mean, the Hebrew people in the Bible, right back in Genesis, the whole book of Genesis is about the Hebrew people. We get past Noah, we get to Abraham, and he says, I'm going to make a great nation of you and all your people. Yet he struggles and struggles and struggles. We get to the end of Genesis, and we now get into Exodus, and those godly people that are supposed to inherit the land and supposed to have the multiples of generations as much as the sand and the stars, they find themselves in 400 years of slavery. That doesn't seem fair. That doesn't seem like God is good. And many people who I talk to about Christianity, about the Bible, who aren't believers will point out stories like this. And so we want to look into it. But what I want to do, the part I want to focus on here, is not just the life is unfair. I want to focus on the butt. I like to call them the butt twists. You know, the twists in the Bible where they kind of catch you off guard when you see a butt. You see, because each one of us has our own story. I mean, in the Bible, these 400 years, right? 400 years, the Egyptians told them what to do. The Egyptians weren't allowing them to leave. They were giving them terrible working conditions. The Egyptians weren't allowing them to serve and worship God. And that seems awful, but in our everyday life, we have our own stories of how things don't go our way. Maybe it was on your way to church this morning. Tried to be nice to everybody. Tried to be uplifting. You tried to turn the right song on the radio, but it just didn't go down that way. Some guy almost hit me in Dunkin' Donuts. I didn't even want to go to Dunkin' Donuts. My son made me go to Dunkin' Donuts. I'm pulling in. I'm gently trying to get around him, and he's just got to get out. And he's, he's, he's right up, just pulling right up to my car. He's trying to knock me. I'm like, hold on. I, realize, well, I will back up in the traffic and let you out. It's okay. We all have our own troubles. Maybe it was this weekend. Maybe it's this whole year you feel like is unfair. And does that mean that God is not good? Is God still good despite life being unfair for us and all the Bible people that we hear about in these stories? So I want to look at this button. I really want to focus on this but. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look into Exodus, and that's what the kids are doing. So you can turn your Bibles, and you can open up right into Exodus chapter 1. See, God promised Abraham and all his generations, all this land and all these children. We get the story of Jacob, and you have preached about that many times, and then he has all these children, and then he has all these sufferings. You have the story of Joseph, of code of many colors, right? He is inflicted by his brothers. He's sewed off into slavery. He's almost killed. He's almost stuck in prison forever, but God. He ends up becoming a great ruler, it was unfair, but that's how he got there. He became the hand of the king, Pharaoh, second in command, ruler over all. We rejoice at that and say, but God is good, right? Okay, now let's take a look at what the kids are reading. After that story, we enter right in here to Exodus in chapter 1. I'm just going to just start reading right here from the beginning. It says, um, then the names of the sons of Israel, that is Jacob, uh, they moved into Egypt with their father Name, 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 name. In all, Jacob had 70 descendants in Egypt, including Joseph, who was already there. Verse six. In time, Joseph and all his brothers died. Ending that entire generation. I'll put it on the screen here. It says, in time, Joseph and all his brothers died, ending that entire generation. This doesn't sound fair. This doesn't sound like the Bible story that we just heard about, that God is going to make Abraham this generation of all these people in the promised land. They get into Egypt. Maybe they thought that was the promised land. Things were going great. All these children. Then they're all dead. But, now what could happen here? I mean, the story could go, but they were forgotten. But they were lost forever. But the Hebrew people were demolished. But the story takes a twist, a butt twist. I like to say that. My kids laugh every time you say the word butt. So the first generation completely dies off but God. Let's take a look. But their, descend- but their descendants, the Israelites, had many children and grandchildren. In fact, they multiplied so greatly that they became extremely powerful and filled the land. So we see one side of the story where the whole generation dies off And then we see the other side of the story. Now the second generation is growing even mightier than the next. That sounds like a good story. Makes you feel warm. Okay, but see, but then what happens is but life. Let's keep reading. Eventually, a new king came to power in Egypt who knew nothing about Joseph or what he had done. He said to his people, look, the people of Israel now outnumber us and are stronger than we are. We must make a plan to keep them from growing even more. If we don't, And a war breaks out, they will join our enemy, fight against us, they will escape. Verse eleven. So the Egyptians made the Israelites their slaves. They appointed brutal slave drivers over them, hoping to wear them down with crushing labor. They forced them to build the cities as supply centers for the king. Verse 12: See, life happens. And when life happens, the story just seems unfair again. So, Lord, you multiplied all our generations. Now I got a new king. He doesn't even know who we are. And look, look what he does. Verse 12. But the more the Egyptians oppressed them, the more the Israelites multiplied and spread. And the more alarmed the Egyptians became. So the Egyptians enslaved them brutally. You expect this to be, again, Unfair. What's happening here? God, this doesn't seem like the blessing you promised us. And yet the word says they multiplied and spread and they even alarmed the Egyptians even more. So now the second generation is forced into slavery, yet they still spread. Let's keep reading. 13. So the Egyptians worked the people of Israel without mercy. They made their lives bitter, forcing them to mix mortar and make bricks. Say, make bricks. We're going to come back to that. And do all the work in the fields, They were ruthless in their demands. Let's keep reading. Verse 15, then Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, gave his order to the Hebrew midwives. Verse 16, when you help the Hebrew women as they give birth, watch as they deliver. If the baby is a boy, kill him. If it is a girl, let her live. There comes a time in your life When life becomes unfair enough as a believer, that you need to rely on your faith, on your courage, and know that God is good. Know what is right and endure it nonetheless, despite the authority, despite the circumstances. And so what we see here is now, but faith and courage coming to life. Look what happens in verse 17. But because the midwives feared God, they refused to obey the king's order and they allowed the boys to live too. So the third generation is now sentenced to death. First generation dies off. Second generation's enslaved. Third generation, all the boys are sentenced to death by the midwives. And yet, this group of people found favor Favor of God, favor among men and women, and yet the people continued to grow. Look at verse 20. So God was good to the midwives, and the Israelites continued to multiply, growing more and more powerful. The midwives here show us a degree of faith and courage. They were putting their lives on the line. They were demonstrating their faith and courage to obey God in the storm when Everything was wrong. In fact, everything was just getting worse. Why not just obey? Why sacrifice their own lives? Why put themselves in danger? Why? Because they know that God is good. This is just the introduction. I'm just, I'm warming you up to what the kids are hearing. They're hearing the the easy elementary version, but this is the story. I find this really, really interesting. I want to pause or interrupt our regularly scheduled programming and talk about midwives for a second. It's a little baffling. Pharaoh picked the wrong group of people here. Midwives. What is a midwife? This is a term maybe you don't hear too much these days. Midwife has been upgraded. We heard the word doula. We may even hear the word uh, birthing companion. And here at Kingsway, we know a lot about it. During the We Care Health Fair that we do in Fall Festival, we have birthing companions from Johns Hopkins, Miss Laura Lucas, she trains and leads and she supports an entire movement of birthing companions to help pregnant women go through the birthing process and have effectively this midwife process here today in the 21st century. Midwives, the whole point of it is to learn about the birthing process, support the mother, and bring a baby to life. Certainly not to kill babies. Pharaoh goes to the one group of people whose job is to bring babies to life and asks them to kill them. Because God is good and used these group of women to save the life of an entire people group. Just let that settle in for a second. Should these women have listened to those orders, the Hebrew people, myself, may not be here today. All the men eradicated generation to be ended in slavery. Church, as I'm pausing here, our country is at war. Yes, with terrorism. Yes, with political forces. Yes, with the plurocrats, Yes, with money and corruption. Yes, with voting suppression. All sorts of things going on all around our country. But I tell you, in my view, the most important war that we face is that against the unborn child. I ask you today, just as they did back then, to continue to pray that the lives of unborn children can breathe and see the sun and grow up to make decisions to serve Christ. I pray today that the countries and the states here in America, I pray, Father God, that the governments work together for your good. I pray the Supreme Court works together for your good. I pray, Father God, for the march of life. I pray, Father God, that you will allow these babies to see this planet and do your good here on earth. In Jesus' name. I pray. And the church says, God is good. And look, here's a flashback to last week. Look at their role. We're talking about an entire... Uh people group, oppressing another people group, occupation taking place, slavery taking place. How could just a few little women have anything to do to solve this problem? Their role was a midwife, but they knew their role last week. They stayed in their role. I'm going to still be a midwife. I'm not a warrior. I'm not a, you know, a freedom fighter. I, you know, I can't make bricks. I'm a midwife. This is what I do. How can I possibly win the war? I'm going to know my role. I'm going to stay in my role, and I'm going to star in my role. I'm going to be the best midwife I can be and in the process of doing that these midwives didn't kill these boys and you know the rest the Israelite people end up leaving Egypt and creating the modern church as we know today and God's name has been glorified because of their role today church you have a role today know what it is stay in it and star in your role until God does something awesome amen The Bible's filled with men and women who know their role and take advantage of their role at that point of time, sacrificing themselves for God's glory. Esther, Mordecai, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, going into the fire because they know what is right, despite how unfair it was. They know that God is good. Amen. Amen. The Bible talks about us being and overcomer. You guys know what this word means. It means despite being unfair, we're going to overcome that. Despite the trials and tribulations that we endure, we're going to overcome that. Exodus is all about the Jewish people overcoming these problems. Egyptians tried to wear down God's people by mistreating them. Instead, God's people grew stronger. When we are burdened or mistreated, we're often led to feel defeat it, when in fact, our burdens are capable of making us stronger, developing us, and developing qualities that prepare us for our future. We are meant to be overcomers. But how, how can we overcome unless we have something to overcome? You see, we cannot be overcomers without troubles to overcome. Life is tough, and God will use anything and everything for our good. Even the worst situations, God can use to make us better believers. We've all been there. In the midst of these trials and tribulations, it's hard to count it all joy, like the Bible tells us. But he intends to use it. It's part of his plan. We're going to see it more unfold here. But the funny thing is, We as believers, many times when we encounter trouble, all of our efforts, even the godly efforts, can start off looking useless. Or worse, those efforts that we apply can sometimes seem to make things worse. Let's turn to chapter 5. Let's skip ahead because one of those babies that was saved was Moses. And that baby grew up to be a great leader And before he was a great leader, God told him to go set the Jewish people free. And that's where we are in chapter 5. And this is what the kids are reading. Move over to chapter 5. I'm going to read this first one here. It says, After the presentation to Israel leaders, Moses and Aaron went and spoke to Pharaoh. They told him, This is what the Lord God of Israel says. Let my people go, so they may hold a festival of my honor in the wilderness. Basically, let all the slaves go so they can go worship God. What do you think Pharaoh said? Well, you can look right here on the screen. i put it up here. Is that so? Really? Uh, and who is this Lord you're talking about? Why should I listen to him and let Israel go? I don't know, your Lord, and I will not let Israel go. You see, Egypt had many gods. This was just one more God that, They were hearing of. Here is a really, really important point. So I hope I have your attention. If you want to get God involved in your situation, the fastest way to get God involved in your situation is to involve him in your situation. Talk about him. Share with people what God is saying to you and what you expect God to do. You may get this exact response, is that so? Maybe you're selling a house and it's taking longer to sell. Maybe you tell your real estate agent, God is going to sell this house for this amount. I know he's going to do this. I know what he's going to do for me. He's promised it. He's spoken to me. I rest on that. Your real estate agent may go, is that so? Really? Because you don't know enough about the market price and this and that and concessions and continuous, You're not going to be able to do all that. I don't know your God, but what I know is real estate. Maybe it's a new job. Do you want this new job? And you tell your coworkers or your boss, hey, Lord's move moved me into promotion. I feel it. I know it. I started my role. I know something's coming. I don't know when, but God's going to do it for me. Is that so? I don't know your God, but I know your job, and you ain't getting it. They may tell you that. Or maybe it's, uh, let's see, what else do I have here? Oh, the doctor. Well, that's a good one. You're not feeling well, or maybe you are feeling well. You go to the doctor. They tell you you're a lot worse than you thought you are. You have a prognosis, incurable, stage four, going to have to see a specialist. We have a story here. We have a story here. We have a story there. We have a story here. We all have stories. Perhaps, perhaps you say, hey, doc, I appreciate the education. I appreciate the counsel. I'll take the medicine. I'll sign up for the procedures. But let me tell you about my God. He's got something different in store for me. He may say too, is that so? Is that so? Well, I hate to break it to you, little Christian believer, but life's unfair. God ain't doing that for you because you have like a one in a million chance. It may go like that. We need to persist. When others reject God, His name, His plan, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised don't be discouraged. Continue to tell them about God and demonstrate your faith and trust that God has a plan and will open your minds. So in Exodus 5, right now, as a matter of fact, this exact minute, the children are learning about Exodus chapter 5. And what happens in Exodus chapter 5, we're going to read a little bit more and we're going to see this here. Let's see, verse 3. But Aaron and Moses persisted. The God of the Hebrews has met with us and declared, let us make a three-day journey into the wilderness so we can sacrifice. If we don't, he will kill us with a plague or a sword. Pharaoh replied, Moses and Aaron, why are you distracting the people? Get back to work. Look, there are many of your people in the land and you're stopping them from work. Verse six, that same day, Pharaoh sent an order to the Egyptian slave drivers and the Israelite foreman. Verse seven, He says to them, do not supply any more straw for making bricks. It says, make the people get it themselves. But still require them to make the same number of bricks as before. Don't reduce the quota. They are lazy. Let me go back a slide so you can see here. So this is what they were doing. There were... 600,000 able bodied Israelites, Hebrew people. Their job was to make somewhere between a million and two million bricks a day. A day. They made these mud bricks like this. You can see at the top there, you put basically mud and straw into these little squares, and it's a very dirty, it's a very hard, it's a very hot activity. And you can see at the bottom there, you know, what it looks like when somebody makes, you know, sort of 100 bricks a day. That's about what it looks like. The kids right now, they're they're making bricks in the back. And the straw was important to the bricks. It held it all together. And so what's happening here in this verse is Pharaoh is saying, you know what, since Moses came and talked to me, I'm going to make the job even harder. I'm going to remove one of the ingredients and make them go find that ingredient to put the bricks together. You see, persisting, Moses was persisting in his faith. Moses was going ahead and doing what God said. Persisting in your faith may introduce you, in fact, into trouble. When you do what God says, it may introduce you to trouble. Unfair trouble. Undeserved trouble. He is molding you into an overcomer. Life is unfair, but God is good. You need trouble. Trouble gives us practice. Lazy, he calls them. They were making a million bricks, two million bricks, three million. I don't know. Million. You know, all the giant edifices in Egypt, all the big buildings, all those. Cre- yeah, that's where it came from. These people making all of these bricks. They weren't lazy. Let's, let's keep reading. Verse, let's see where I'm at. 9. That's why they were crying out, let us go and offer sacrifices to our God. Load them down with more work. Make them sweat. That'll teach them a lesson. Unfair. This is God's chosen people. Unfair. Okay, verse 10. So slave drivers and foremen went out and told the people, this is what Pharaoh says. I will not provide you any more straw. Go and get it yourself. Find it wherever you can, but you must produce as many bricks as before. So the people scattered throughout looking for stubble as straw. Meanwhile, the Egyptian slave drivers continued to push hard. Meet your daily quota of bricks, just as you did when you were provided with the straw. Then they whipped the foreman that they had put into charge. Why haven't you met your quota? You hadn't did it yesterday. You haven't done it today, they demanded. Verse 15, so the Israelite foreman went to Pharaoh and pleaded, please don't treat your servants like this. We're begging you. We're given no straw, but the slave drivers still demand, make bricks. We're being beaten, but it's not our fault. Your own people are to blame. It's just not fair. Verse 17, but Pharaoh shouted at them, you're just lazy, lazy, I tell you. That's what you're saying. Let us go and offer sacrifices to the Lord. Now go back to work. No straw will be given to you, but you must still produce the full quota of bricks. This is the name of the message today. I know it's great when you do it almost at the end of the message. The title of my message is called Missing Ingredient. Missing Ingredient. The bricks they made weren't these little bricks that, that we have today. You know, the little red bricks. I don't know, they're about this big. They're really heavy. Mm-mm. You know, they look kind of like this. The bricks they made were more like this. Each one. It's 13 to 18 inches wide, 6 to 8 inches Deep and thick, or eighteen inches long. These things, these were heavy. Making a million of these, Brian is not lazy. This is a hard job to do, even for a big guy like you, man. This is what they were required to do. But if you threw a bunch of mud and you, and you put it in a box, it doesn't come out like this. You can try; it, it comes out like a giant mud pie. Straw has acid in it, and that acid would hold the mud together and make it thick and make it strong. Without that straw, you weren't getting much of a brick. so this was a real problem. This was extremely unfair. missing ingredient. You don't know, have a pool. I was just talking to somebody outside. We, we just moved into a new house, we have a pool, and pool chemistry is really complicated. You just can't keep pouring chlorine in. You can try. You can shock it. There's all sorts of chlorine. You can shock it and keep pouring it in. But unless you have the right ingredients, one of those ingredients is called stabilizer. It literally means make sure the water doesn't spit out the chlorine with the sun. So when the sun comes, it eats the chlorine. It's cyanuric acid. If you don't put this in your pool, you can put as much chlorine as you want in it, and it'll just evaporate. That's what Bridget and I did for about three weeks. Three weeks. Then we realized we had a missing... We were literally up at midnight pouring chlorine in because you have to do it when the sun's there. So you need these ingredients. I'm sure some of you, let's take it into real life. You feel like life's unfair. You have missing ingredients everywhere. You work really hard, don't you? Not enough vacation time. Unfair. Missing ingredient. If I had that, life would be great. Or maybe moms just don't have enough free time Give me another hour in the day. It's a missing ingredient. It's just not fair. Or maybe it's, I just don't have enough money. If I had more money, if I had that ingredient, things would be great. It's just not fair. You see, God is telling us to take lemons and turn it into lemonade, yet all of us have these bitter faces on because life's not fair. These... Jewish people, they were obeying God, and yet life became harder. And in the midst of that, they were losing a far more important ingredient. They were missing and losing their spiritual ingredients. They were lacking and now losing their faith. They were losing their hope. They were losing their peace. They were losing their love. Even Moses fell prey to this. Let's keep reading right here in verse 19. The Israelite foreman could see that they were seriously in trouble when they were told, you must not reduce the number of bricks. As they left Pharaoh's court, they continued. Moses and Aaron were waiting outside for them. Verse 21, the foreman said to them, may the Lord judge and punish you for making us stink before Pharaoh. You put a sword in his hand, an excuse to kiss. Verse 22, then Moses went back to the Lord and protested. Why have you brought all this trouble to your own people, Lord? Why did you send me? You ever said this to God? Lord, I I did everything you said. I read your Bible. I went to church. I gave some money. I talked to the pastor. He gave me some advice. I did that. I talked to my mom. She prayed for me. I did that. And yet my life still stinks. In fact, Lord, I can tell you step by step how it's gotten worse. Any of us have that story? No one wants to raise their hand because we know it's true. That's real life. Guys, that's real life. That's what's happening to Moses. Moses goes, he goes back to God, and he prays this prayer. Is this the Moses you know? This is the prayer. God, why did you send me? You brought all this trouble as if it was God's fault. You brought all this trouble into my life. Moses realized he had big problems. Look what it says in the next verse. Ever since I came to Pharaoh as your spokesman, he has been even more brutal to your people and you have done mm, mm you know we sing that word waymaker you know he's working he's working even when i don't see it even when i don't feel it it's dangerous to tell god you've done nothing i mean he just made the whole world made you you breathe made all the children all the animals and, and we tell god you've done nothing you see there were big problems increased workload Moses came to help them. Can you imagine what the foreman are saying? This guy's crazy. He's supposed to be helping us and he's making things worse for us. Moses expected, listen carefully, faster results and fewer problems. That's what he's upset about. Maybe you're working God, but I need you to move faster. I can't, I can't take another day of this. Less problems. I've learned enough. When God is at work, struggles, setbacks, suffering, that's part of the plan. When God is at work, struggles, setbacks, suffering, part of the plan. The point is God is good. The point is God is at work. The point is he has a plan, even if it seems unfair. Talk to him. Share your feelings. Tell him I don't quite get it. I'm upset. Look, there were some big problems at work here. Look here. Big problems allow God to offer big solutions. They have a big problem. The kids were being killed, worsening slave conditions, Foreman trying to kill some of them, and a leader who's not effective. We need God to show up with a big solution. I often get this prayer when the people come down to the altar, pray that God does this, pray that God does that, pray that God does this, pray that God says this, pray that God shows me that. And I pray those prayers because I'm a human being and I want to see God move, but I want you to see here what God's solution to his big problems are. It's right here in the next chapter. I almost read the whole thing, so we're going to go to verse one in chapter six, and then we're going to wrap up. The Lord told Moses, the kids are doing this literally at the exact same time, by the way, so when they run out, you'll be able to hear all these things from them. The Lord told Moses, now you will see what I will do. Come on, church. How many people want God to see? How many people serve a God that says, now you will see what I will do? I serve a God like this. It says, when he feels the force of my strong hand, he will let your people go. In fact, he will force them to leave his land. God said to Moses, I am Yahweh, I am the Lord. Say that with me. I I appeared to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and I was El Shaddai, God Almighty, but I did not reveal my name Yahweh to them, and I reaffirmed my covenant with them. Under its terms, I promised to give them the land of Canaan, where they were foreigners, and I can be sure that I have heard the groans of my people, who are now slaves, and I am well aware of the covenant with them. Verse 6, Therefore I say to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. I will free you from your oppression. I will rescue you from your slavery. I will redeem you with a powerful arm and great acts of judgment. I will claim you as my own people. I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord, your God, who has freed you from oppression in Egypt. I will bring you into the land that I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I will give it to you as your very own possession, for I am the Lord. Here's your big solution. It's really simple. It's a really big God who's always at the center of your solution. It's just, will you let him be? What happened after after all this was said? What happened? What was the next thing? Let's look. Moses then goes and tells the people what God just said. Moses told the people what the Lord just said. And they refused to listen anymore. They had become too discouraged by the brutality of their slavery. Church, some people are not ready to receive You can become too discouraged to listen. Don't be those people. You know, the ones serving God their whole life, and then when you need God the most, when times are the toughest, you put them on the shelf, and you go about life the best way you can with your own strength. You may say, well, in fact, the last time we listened, things got worse. It was more suffering, more work, and less hope. A clear message from God can sometimes be followed up with no change at all. When no change is apparent, what do you do? What kind of Christian are you today? What kind of believer, what kind of disciple are you? Are you ready to be faithful and courageous to obey God, to wait on him? Or are you tired of the super spiritual? Are you ready to just give in to the circumstances? Life is unfair, yeah, that is true. God is at work, that's also true. His way, his timing. In your calculation, that may be unfair, but God intends to do it exactly that way. God is calling each of us to know our role, stay in our role, and star in our role. Look, look what he tells to Moses. Look what happens. Moses goes, It tells his peoples. People don't even trust him or believe him. Now we go back into to verse 12. Look at verse 12 real quick. It says, uh, but Moses objected. My own people won't listen to me, God. How can I expect Pharaoh to listen? I'm not going back to that guy. Everything has just worked out terribly. I'm such a clumsy speaker. Before I go on, and I'm about to close. I got one more point and I'm going to close. But before I close, I got to share this. It just dawned on me as I was looking at you and I'm realizing it's Sunday and we're in a, a service of worship. And many of us have jobs where at times we may have to work on Sunday. The people here, this is the story, guys. This is the story. Do I work on Sunday or do I go worship? Often when you ask for time off on Sunday, or to do things for God, your employer can give you a really hard time about that. I get it. It's real. I don't know your God. I don't care about your God. Is that so? will work. I'll be, actually, I'm going to make it harder for you. If your employer made it harder for you, would you still ask? Would you still? That's the story. They were supposed to go into the wilderness and worship. Most of the, the Israel people said, I give up. I'm not even going to do it. Forget it. I'll just work on Sunday. You guys aren't enslaved by your employer, I hope. And worship here is not so bad. What does it take for you to get here on Sunday? And if you have it easy and you have work off on Sunday and you don't come and worship God in some place of worship, look at the people before you. Look at what they had to go through. For those of us who are off, take full advantage of what God is doing. Amen? Amen? He says... How can they possibly listen to me? I'm a terrible speaker. Often is the case when we're in these unfair times and when people are pressing us, we ask God to give us something supernatural. Supernatural talent, supernatural abilities. God, help me speak better. Help me do a better job at my job. Help me earn this skill or this talent. You, know, you and I, Miss Jane, we just talk about this. Can God do that? Is he capable of doing it? Absolutely capable of doing it. But watch what's first. That's what he asked. God, give me the skill. I can't do it. Give me the skill. I can't speak to these people. If he gave me the the skill, maybe I could do it better and they would all follow me. Maybe. Let's look what God says, the very next verse. No special skill was given at first. No new promise was given. No change. He asked Moses to reaffirm his commitment that God is good. And he said, Moses go lead my people. He didn't tell them what was about to happen. He didn't tell them about the the serpent or the plagues. He said, go lead my people. Think of how hard it must have been for Moses to bring God's message to Pharaoh again after he'd failed, after he didn't have the skills, especially after his own people had trouble believing him. Eventually, the Hebrew people received Moses as their leader. But for a long time, he was and very much felt alone and inadequate. Some of you may feel alone right now, today. Remember, God has a plan. It involves patience and obedience, and it involves unfair situations. Moses obeyed God, and what a difference it made. Next week, we're going to hear about all the amazing things God did for Moses after he obeyed him, and all the amazing things God's going to do for you and all the amazing things God's going to do for each one of you as you obey God in your situation. But I want to leave you at this point. When chances for success are slim, remember that anyone can obey God when the task is easy. Everyone is in on it, and everyone is behind you. Only those with persistent faith, rooted in the truth that God is good, can obey when the task seems easy impossible, too tough to succeed, and just plain old unfair. Lead the people around you, despite the situation you're in, and watch what God is going to do. Because life is unfair, but God is good. We at Kingsway hope you enjoyed this message from Pastor Sean. It was not by chance you listened to it. God is speaking to you. Visit kingswaycc.org to find the podcast from Pastor Sean. We pray today that this somehow inspired you to draw closer to God and to connect with His people, His purpose, and His power. God bless you.